What is there to live for on the frontier in 1882? Huh? But, let me tell you something. We live in a terrible place in time. The American West is a disgusting, awful, dirty, dangerous place. Look around you. Everything out here that's not you wants to kill you. Outlaws, angry drunk people, scorned hookers, hungry animals, diseases, major and minor injuries, Indians, the weather. You, you can get killed just going to the bathroom. I take my life in my hands every time I walk out to my outhouse. There's fucking rattlesnakes all in the grass out there. And, and, even if I make it, you know what can kill me? Cholera. You know cholera? It's the black shit. The black shit. The latest offering in the Frontiers Disease of the Month Club. And, and, even if you survive all those things, you know what else can kill you? The fucking doctor. The doctor can kill you. I had a cold a couple years ago. I went in there. You know what he said to me? He goes, oh, you need an ear nail. A, a nail in my fucking ear. That is modern medicine for you. Yeah, doc, I have a fever of 102. Oh, you need a donkey kicking. You know, our pastor has shot two people. Our pastor. No. No. Honest to God, shot a guy in a duel and then went back and killed the guy's teenage son because he was afraid he would kill him out of revenge. Wait, how do you know that? Because he did a whole fucking sermon about it. A, a lesson about seeing things through. By the way, look at this. See those guys over there? The guys who work in the silver mines? See what they're eating? Ribs doused in hot sauce. They eat hot, spicy foods every meal of the day. You know why? Because their palates are so completely fucking dulled from inhaling poison gas 12 hours a day down in the mines. That's all they can taste. You know what that kind of diet does to your guts? Constipation, cramps, dyspepsia, liver disease, kidney disease, hemorrhoids, bowel inflammation. They literally die from their own farts. going on welcome back to inane hope all is well with you guys hope you all had a great thanksgiving it's been like three weeks <laughs> listen i gotta apologize for my voice i have been sick for a few weeks now and uh, i was ready to go with this episode God, at least a month ago i had enough stuff to talk about but i was preparing for a holiday trip to visit my family in washington and everything got away from me and then I got sick. And just like every time I get a cold, the last thing to leave me is uh, the cough and some nasal stuff. So that's still kind of clinging on. And I'm coughing a lot. So I'm going to end up doing a lot of post-editing here today. Because <laughs> I'm coughing like crazy. <laughs> that trip was jam-packed with activity, man. I'm telling you. My sister flies in from New York. I don't think we'd been together as a whole family for Thanksgiving in over 40 years. So this was something special. So I'm doing the turkey and the gravy. My brother had two side dishes. My sister had two side dishes. But guess what happens? Our sister turns into Attila the Hun in the kitchen. I mean, she's taken over everything. My brother ends up on the sidelines. This guy, master chef, all right? She's trying to tell me how to cook my broth for the gravy. Worried about my compound butter that I'm slipping under the skin. Maybe I brined it too long. Why does it have to have lemons in it? Two cups of salt seems like a lot. 20 pound bird, by the way. Two gallons of brine. Do the fucking math, right? Constantly washing my utensils. I'm in the middle of using them. I turn around. I can't find jack shit. I mean, she's trying to help. I get it. Royal pain in the ass. I love her, but I do not like cooking with people like that in the kitchen. I want to be a team player, okay? She's great. Don't get me wrong. She can cook me under the table, and I love collaborating. But keep your hands off my dish. If it ends up sucking, I want to be the one taking all the blame for it. Everything turned out great. The food was fantastic. But even the day after Thanksgiving, we're cooking together. It's a fucking debacle. Yeah, I was finally happy to go out to eat at a, like a Mexican restaurant a few nights later. We didn't have to cook. Oh, it's crazy shit. So my sister flies back to New York. And my brother and I have a few days alone together. Well, then I, I get sick. I'd had this scratchy cough ever since I'd, you know, gotten there. I caught something on the plane. I'm convinced of it. I get sick as a fucking dog. 
horrible cough, chest congestion, head congestion. My nasal passages were like a snot factory. It was just disgusting. My nose got raw from blowing it. Eventually, you know what I did? I went outside. I just started blowing snot directly out of my nose into the grass. I just got so tired. My, my nose was scabbing up from using tissue over and over again. I took more drugs than Whitney Houston after Bobby Brown got released from jail that one time. It was that bad. You name it, I took it. I took a lot of it. Nothing stopped what was coming. I was sleeping like shit. I felt like shit. I would get winded just climbing a flight of stairs because you're coughing constantly. Oh, God, it was horrible. Anyway, it gets better. Listen, I'm scheduled to fly out on Tuesday, all right? Mother Nature has other plans for me. She dumps a shit ton of powder all over Seattle. My flight gets canceled. Now I've got to reschedule to the next day. So I've got that set up. I'm getting one extra day with my brother, but I'm only getting sicker and weaker. And I'm starting to miss my bed, my house. And that flight ends up getting rescheduled two more times, then delays again once I get to the airport. But here's the thing. My original flight was a beeline from Seattle to Orange County. These new flights now, the next day, are all connecting flights because they didn't exist the day before. So I've got a one-hour window to catch my next plane and then hope that they get my baggage on it or they're going to be delivering it to my house the next day. Well, my luck, being shit luck, not only is my flight pushed back 45 minutes after I get to the airport, gets pushed back another 20 minutes. We have to switch gates because they have to de-ice the plane. Then we're sitting on the tarmac for half an hour. You ever seen them de-ice the wings of a plane? It's the scariest looking thing ever. It was unbelievable. We were on the, maybe a half an hour just sitting there. We finally take off. My flight from Seattle to San Francisco is supposed to be two hours and 15 minutes. By the time we lifted off, I had two hours to catch my next flight. By the time we landed, I got to the gate. What else? Motherfucking plane took off without me. Now I'm going to be stuck in the San Francisco airport for another God knows how many hours before they can get me on another flight. And listen, I love the city of San Francisco, but I'm not in the city of San Francisco. I'm in an airport. Resembles nothing about the city. It's just another airport. They don't even have the goddamn common decency to have drag queens walking around. At least you could feel like you're getting some kind of a cultural experience. But you don't get that. No, you get bars with overpriced beers, shitty clam chowder, gift shops that make you want to poke your eyes out with a souvenir pen. I might sound frustrated right now. Listen, trust me. I don't take anybody anything out on any airline staff. They can't help that the weather fuck things up. But these airports and these airlines are not able to handle this kind of stuff. It's on me, though. I took it all in stride. I'm just doing the best I can, you know, to make light of the horrible situation that I found myself in. I didn't get angry until I got pushed a little too far. You know, the old Phil got angry really easy. Post-therapy Phil lives by the same old credo. It's not an adventure until something goes horribly wrong. Right, so we land in San Francisco. The plane is hovering about, say, a thousand feet approaching the runway. An iMessage on my phone goes batshit. My brother's messaging me. My flight left without me. There are no other flights available. It's a complete shit show. If I want to keep flying and connecting, it's like 23 hours from destination to destination till I get there. So I'll, he's saying I have to get a hotel room and book another flight out in the morning. Worst possible news. I wouldn't mind any of this if I was with somebody else. No problem. You've got someone you can share the experience with. But I don't. It sucks. I'm sick. All I want to do is get home. So now I'm getting riled up. My brother's being aggressive. Get on the phone with Alaska. Demand they put you up for a free hotel for the night and get you home in the morning. And I'm like, dude, I don't think you got the memo. I don't want to spend the night in a hotel. I want to smell my pillow. My fabric softener. I want to hear Alexa's alarm tomorrow morning. I want to smell my neighbor cooking bacon. So I get off the plane. I go to customer service desk. I'm charming the pants off this young girl. She gets me on the flight to LAX that night. And they're going to give me a free Uber ride home to Orange County. Now, my Uber ride up there 
from my house to the Orange County Airport. Pain in the ass. This guy wouldn't shut the fuck up the entire time we're driving. He should have given me a tip for listening to his life story. So I posted on <laughs> I posted on Instagram. I said, if this motherfucker opens his mouth, I'm going to slit his throat with a rusty butter knife. So then another thing that came into my mind when this was all over. It's different now. I miss having somebody at home who's concerned when I'm sick, who's there waiting for me, you know, to help me mend. So I don't get sick very often. This is very rare for me. I managed to stay healthy for a long time. This is the first cold I've gotten in years. The only other time I felt like I was going to die was after my second COVID shot and after the boosters. But that wasn't from an illness. That was from the chemistry I chose to dump in my body. But I will say this. I have three women in my life. Sue, my friend Yvonne, and my friend Maria. They all reached out to make sure I was okay. Had advice on how I can get better and let them know if they could do anything. Like When I was there in Washington, my niece took care of me, my brother, my sister-in-law. It was great to have that support, but man, I just wanted to be in my bed where I can suffer in peace. I don't mean to sound like, you know, hey, I wish I had a woman because I need someone to take care of me. But the few times I've been sick like this, I've always had someone around to help. And that's what I miss, I guess. That intimate level of support, you know. Eh, someday. <laughs> I'll keep making the joke. Maybe finally I'm going to pull the trigger and adopt that 19-year-old Vietnamese girl I've had my eye on. <laughs> that's sick. I shouldn't joke like that. Okay, so... I get a ride. It's going to be 10.30. They're leaving LAX. I've got a couple hours to kill. So I go and I get a, a Thai chicken salad. Then I find this wine bar. I go get a glass of wine, sit down. And there's this nice young girl sitting across from me reading a book, eating french fries. Apparently, french fries and wine's a new pairing. So anyway, so about five minutes, she gets up and she's looking at her arms and wrists. She goes, oh my God. I said, oh no, did you miss your flight? She goes, no. See, I was... Taking my, I was washing my hands in the sink before security. I left my ring. I said, oh shit. Like it wasn't your wedding ring, I hope. She goes, no, no. I said, well, don't worry about it. It's just a ring. Rings can be replaced. She goes, no, not this one. Turns out the ring was made from the ashes of her dead dog. Probably her childhood dog. I was like, oh shit. Me and my fucking mouth. I suffer from foot and mouth disease all the time. Why can't I just keep my mouth shut? So she gets up and she's trying to tell the, 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 the bartender, she goes, let me pay my tab, get out of here. He goes, no, 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 let me cover this up for you. You go take care of it. Get down there right now. Come back and take care of your tab later. So she leaves. I'm looking around. I'm thinking these people probably think I'm some kind of a dumbass. So I finish. Uh, I paid my tab. I paid her tab and they got the hell out of there. I just wanted to do something nice for her. But I knew if I stuck around... She's coming back. She's going to be crying. That was not going to be a good scene to be around. So my plane leaves, lands in LAX just before midnight. I asked someone at the airport, I go, where do I go to order an Uber? They said, oh, there's a yellow section out here. That's where you go. So I went there, ordered an Uber. Guy says he'll be right there. Then he cancels. So I order another one. Says he'll be right there. He cancels. I'm like, what the hell's going on? So I order another one. It says, Uber, there are no Uber drivers available at this time. Contact Alaska Airlines. Now I'm pissed off. I can't even get home from the airport. I'd get all, all the way to LAX. Can't get home. I am not going to get a taxi ride home from LAX. It's like 35 miles. It cost me a fortune. So I'm on the phone with Alaska and I can't get through. It's an automated system. They said we have high call volume because of the weather. So what am I supposed to do now? So I see a kid in front of the American Airlines desk. And I said, hey, does Alaska have one of these things going on? And he says, yeah, upstairs, Terminal 6. So I go up there. I tell him what happened. They said, well, where did you go to call your Uber? I said, right outside here, the yellow section where they told me. He goes, no, no, no. Uber's not going to come there. It's not safe for them. So we have a bus that will come and pick you up, take you to a spot where you can order the Uber. I said, well, they didn't tell me that. So I get on the bus. I'm done now, man. I'm It's close to one o'clock. I'm tired. I've got no energy. My head feels like shit. I'm getting really sleepy. And finally, I get to the spot where I order the Uber. I get there. 
I ordered four Ubers before someone would come and pick me up. You know why they were canceling on me? They were canceling because I lived too far away from the airport. These guys all live in the area. Finally, the fourth guy, or actually at this point, the sixth guy, he agreed to pick me up. He lives in Long Beach. So I get home just before three o'clock in the morning and I just collapsed on my bed. I will tell you one thing. I had serious DJ voice in the middle of this nasty cold. I'd have recorded a show sooner, but when I was talking back then, I coughed a lot. And luckily today, I've not really coughed that much. Do you know how hard it is for me to keep my mouth shut? (laughs) Lesson to be learned here. Do not fucking fly around the holidays, especially to areas of the country that get actual weather. Speaking of weather, you know how much I dread these Santa Ana winds in the fire season. I talk about it a lot. Well, we got a few days of heavy rain early November. Flash flood warnings, all that shit. So I thought, well, listen, there's a pretty good chance we get all this rain, we're not going to have any fires. It won't be a fire season. So if it stays wet, no fire. Our temps started to drop right around Halloween. So now we've got really cool nights. They're in the 40s, low 50s. Going to dip into the 30s this week, I think. Fall's here, and I'm over the moon about it. Because that summer sucked. But the wind started to come. And I thought, oh no, please, just hold them back. Because I have the worst timing. It's like I don't pay attention to the wind forecast. Right? Rain, temperature, yeah. But wind, rarely. So it turns out, on a day when we're going to have a lot of these winds, I'll have no idea. And I'll have planned to smoke some meat on my smoker. So I'll have a roast or something sitting with rub on it. I'll get the smoker going. The wind kicks up, starts carrying the smoke all over the neighborhood. I'll see people walking around outside on the sidewalk, out front of the complex, looking into the sky, trying to figure out where the smoke's coming from. And I don't have the balls to tell them it's me. There isn't a fire anywhere. It certainly smells like a structure is burning down sometimes. Oh man, I have so many things I want to talk about here. Some things I'm just going to leave them out. Oh yeah, Wordle. Any of you guys play Wordle? A few of my writer friends played it. I never got into it. Then the New York Times bought it. They hired a full-time editor for it. And my brother started to play. So I started playing. And now I'm addicted to it. I'm kind of so-so at it. You know, I've been blanked one time. Usually I get it in three or four. But Chuck and Sue, star performers. They'll get it in one, two, maybe three. I mean, they're methodical with huge vocabularies. If they use really common words found in the dictionary, you think to yourself, shit, how did I not think of house? I mean, <laughs> how does that work? But it's fun for me. It's a great way to wake your brain up in the morning. One day, I think it was in October, the word of the day was inane. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, it's in the water. Yeah, politics got a little crazy, didn't it? Some midterms. And Trump announced he's going to run again. And the polls and the media, they're so full of shit. Talked about this red tsunami. The independents kind of screwed everything up. They're taking votes away from Republicans and Democrats. I don't know how this is going to work out for everybody. These races were a lot closer than anybody thought. I was just absolutely shocked that Herschel Walker made it as close as he did in Georgia. I mean, this guy, he's dumber than a bag of rocks. So they were saying if neither one of the candidates in Georgia got over 50%, they were going to have a runoff, which they ended up doing. I, the joke was this, like his, his campaign advisor walks up to him and says, hey, Herschel, looks like we're going to have a runoff. And Herschel's like, well, hell yeah, I know him a lot faster than that motherfucker. Honestly, the guy's a complete dolt. They're not talking about trying to charge a tank out in the desert. They're talking about war. And let me tell you this here. If we was ready for the green agenda, I'll raise my hand right now, but we're not ready right now. So don't let them fool you like this is a new agenda. This is not a new agenda. We're not prepared. We're not ready right now. What we need to do is keep having those gas-guzzling cars because we got the good emission under those cars. We're doing the best thing that we can, but we need help. We need help, and those other people not helping us. China not helping us. India not helping us, but yet we're going to do it all because they're spending your money. Can you fucking imagine this dumbass on the Senate floor anywhere? Mushmouth asshole with the intellect of a tree stump making life-changing decisions for America. (laughs) This is where we're at right now. 
Seriously, I'm not being racist. I'm just, I'm like I'm a security guard for American democracy. This dumb motherfucker is a full-blown idiot moron. He took too many headshots. Like what? Party over what? This? They're not talking about trying to charge a tank out in the desert. They're talking about war. And let me tell you this here. It's unreal. It's gross. Sorry. And then Fetterman. It's the worst dressed politician in the history of politics. This guy was always walking around in a hoodie. Looked like the Unabomber. And people look beyond that, right? They vote for you anyway. I hope the guy realizes he can't dress like that on Capitol Hill. I mean, dude's got to get a, a, you know, some new suits, some white shirts, five or six different ties, some dress shoes, a couple dozen pairs of dress socks. Big boy time, man. Got to lose the Unabomber outfit. That, that uh, club got shut up the other day. Now, am I sad that five homos got shot? No, I'm not sad at all. As a matter of fact, I think it's a good thing that they're not here anymore to molest kids. And I'm again, I'm not condoning anybody to do anything like that. I don't believe it's right to take the law into our own hands. And I've said that so many times. But here's what I won't be upset about. I'm not going to be upset when someone that hates God and actively is promoting against God and hates his guts and molests children, even if it is just their eyeballs, to have to see these freaks writhing around and, and, and you know, doing all these crazy dances in front of children. And then afterwards, reading them a book or something. I said, it's not right to take the law into your own hands. But I do understand why people are so fed up because our own government is protecting these freaks. And that's all you see on the media right now. You know, right-wing MAGA kills, you know, these, these queers and then some guy jumped in and helped them or whatever. Who cares? Like, I really don't care that those people got killed. And you're like, that sounds really hateful, Pastor. Well, it is hateful because I do hate them. Because they're a menace and a wart on the rear end of society. And there's nothing redeeming about them whatsoever. Listen, we're in America. We can say whatever we want. And I'm not inciting violence, so don't even try to go there. But anyway, happy happy Thanksgiving. Hey, this isn't any earth-shattering news. But I had to mention Elon Musk. This guy's a grade-A douchebag. Buys Twitter for $44 billion dollars. Walks in on his first day of work and starts chopping people's heads off. A few days later, he fires 3,700 people, half the staff. And if that's not bad enough, he did it via email. Who fires people over email? He gets up there and starts trolling the liberals. A few days after that, he realizes some of the people that he fired, he actually needs to do some of the stuff he wants to accomplish. So now he starts asking people to come back. As if, you fucking tool. You think people are going to want to come back, work for you, after you treat them like that? The people now, a lot of celebrities, either leaving Twitter or just waiting to have their accounts suspended. I don't know why so many people follow this guy. Because they'll do that, and his tweets start to come into my feed. Which, you know, like I said, I've curated it to just give me fun stuff to look at. So I have to block him. And I'm sure he's got an algorithm set up some point in time going to go through all the accounts who block them or take them out. I don't care, one way or the other. Like I said, Twitter's been the writing on the bathroom wall for years. I finally figured out how to use it the way that makes me happy. And now this needle dick comes along, starts to ruin it. The only time I tweet's for a name, and I might not even do that anymore, so I just don't care. I just like to look at fun shit that people post. But you can do that on Reddit or TikTok, which I'm too old to be using. So, like I said, look, social media is not going to be around in five to ten years. Get used to it. He'll get tired of the shiny new toy. He'll abandon it. He'll just kind of just go away. All the advertisers bailed. He's not going to get any ad revenue. He wants to start this premium service, Twitter Blue, eight bucks a month, 11 if you use the iPhone. He's not going to earn enough money. You have to put the whole thing behind a paywall. You have to pay in order to have a Twitter account. Do you know anybody who would pay to be on Twitter? That would be like a gas station charging you money to use their bathroom. You ever been in a gas station bathroom? You know how nasty and insufferable that is? Imagine you have to pay to use it. Even Facebook started to feel it. Zuckerberg laid off like 11,000 people. He said the revenue at Meta had taken a hit because they had a complete loss of revenue. 
the Oculus thing that he's designing, that AI virtual world, piece of dog shit. Even the people working on it, on the project, they don't use the goggles. They think it sucks. Ad dollars went to shit. Everything went to hell. TikTok's killing everybody. They can't keep up. This will tell you how long it's been since I've done a show. This is on my notes. Tom Brady and Giselle formally announced that they filed for divorce. (laughs) That was the day after I recorded. It comes as no shock to anybody. I just find it kind of sad, you know, because the real losers here are the kids. Divorce is hard on kids. And they've been living separately since September, apparently. I did find it odd the way that each of them expressed themselves. Giselle said stuff like, the most important thing to me are my children, not our children. And then Tom doesn't really get into any of that stuff. He says he wants what's best for her and his kids. The most screwed up thing about this is that Brady knows one thing, and that's football. That's his life. That's what makes him want to get up in the morning. Here she was showing concern for him. Right? She says football's a violent sport. She's worried how it's going to affect her family. And then in this other interview, Brady's saying stuff like he's missed every Christmas with his family. Thanksgiving, funerals, birthdays, all that stuff. He's not there for anything. And he'd like to be able to be present for those things. So go be present for those things. You hard on? The world's your oyster. You can do whatever you want. You know, you agree to retire, appease your wife and your family and yourself if what you said was true and not some lip service bullshit that you think people just want to hear. I don't know if this is about ego or his just his obsession for the sport or what. But Andrew Luck, the quarterback for the Colts, spent seven seasons in the league, got knocked around one too many times, made the choice to get out, and that was that. Now, I'm not making comparisons to the GOAT and a guy who's never going to be in the Hall of Fame. But it's not about football. It's about making the right choices for you and your family. It's about compromise. And Brady refuses to make compromises. Because either he's selfish or he's too egotistical to let it go. His team's not going to make the playoffs this year. If they do, it's going to be with a 500 record. But if he chooses to retire after all that, he's going to look like a fool. Because this horse's ass of a season that he's putting together kind of cost him everything. Makes him look like a dumb shit. He's got to have CTE. Only someone with brain damage would choose a sport over a supermodel. If any other dude who was sitting top of a a, a giant pile of cash chose his job over banging a real-life Barbie doll, we'd all be wondering if he was mentally retarded. Is that okay to say? (laughs) I have no language police in my life at the moment, so I don't really know. But goddamn, he's a freaking moron. Oh, my iPhone. Listen, I love the iPhone, but I gotta tell you something. Voice dictation on this damn thing has never really been that great. But ever since I updated to iOS 16, it's been absolute horseshit. I do the best I can to not text using the keyboard on the phone. Usually I'll have my laptop around or my iPad, and I'll use that. But if I'm out somewhere, I use the dictation feature, I'll go back and edit whatever gets wrong. And it's usually it does a fairly okay job. But now it's absolute horseshit. I speak clearly into this thing. I don't have a speech impediment. I don't know what the hell's going on. I said wish. It spells fish. I fish you were here. The fuck does that mean? Where it'll take one word, make two out of them. Like I said, always. It spells out ball tase. <laughs> hey, dude. I hope you know all ball tays going to be here for you. <laughs> I started to wonder, maybe I'm not speaking clearly. Sound like saying every word just like this as best I could. I end up sounding like a dumbass. It still gets it wrong. I also got tired of Alexa popping up every time she heard her name or thought she heard it. So I changed her name to Echo for now. I can't wait. Can they just make it possible to create your own, make your own name for it? Make it personal? Name it Lickalotopus, something. There's another thing that cracks me up. You see people performing like a mundane or a horrible task. Like they've either got a really boring or shitty job. I'll walk by and I'll say, hey, how's it going? They'll say, living the dream. <laughs> like a dude stuck in shelves at the grocery store. is living the dream. Like that's what he spent tens of thousands of dollars on college to do. 
Or a guy at the kennel cleaning up dog shit. Is that where you saw yourself when you were growing up? Living the dream? Being a dog groomer? Got the horrible task of squeezing its anal glands when you give it a bath? Try putting that on your Tinder profile. See how it works out. Shitty, boring jobs. Oh my God. You know, sometimes the stuff I do gets tedious, but I'm on a laptop, all right? I'm not going to stand at the end of an aisle at Costco passing out free samples. That's when you know you've given up. So, you know, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but it just seems to be getting worse. You see or hear these commercials for medications, and near the end of it, they run off the possible side effects. And these side effects are like worse than the symptoms the medication is treating. Like, let's say you're taking a medication for, um, uh, like, to eliminate adult acne, say. All right. The side effects would include erectile dysfunction, loss of sexual appetite, diarrhea, depression, thoughts of suicide. Like, seriously, what the fuck? Like, your acne's cleared up, but now you have to wear an adult diaper because you can't stop shit in your pants. Can't get a boner anymore. Don't even care if you get a boner. You're depressed, probably because you're constantly walking around in a shitty diaper that you've been spackling with your ass all day, and now you want to kill yourself. But your skin looks good. They have to do better than this. I know there are drawbacks when you take this stuff, right? But some of these side effects are brutal. Like certain antibiotics will screw my stomach up. But I can deal with that for a few days because I know the medication's probably going to kill whatever it is that's wrong with me. But most of the time, going to the doctor is a last resort. Usually I let my body just figure it out or I'll use supplements. But even those aren't always the way to go. Like my acupuncturist, great guy, all right? Refuses to use his Chinese name, wants me to call him Dr. Gary. Like his parents in Beijing named him Gary. Anyway, he's got an entire wall cabinet filled with Chinese medicinal herbs, roots, mushrooms, all that shit. So I had something once, and he sold me these, I don't know if they were chunks of mushroom or something. You're supposed to make a tea out of it and drink two of these a day for five days. So I get home, I make the tea. I swear to Christ, this stuff smelled like the rotting crotch of a five-day-old dead horse. I drank it with my nose plugged, then gargled with mouthwash right after. Thought I was going to barf my guts up. But guess what the payoff was? It didn't fucking work. I drank 10 cups of this shit. My symptoms never went away. Eventually, like a month later, they did. But it had nothing to do with that nasty crap he sold me. It's like these guys who are too embarrassed to tell their doctor that they can't get their dick up. So they try these natural supplements that are touted as working just the same. Like horny goat weed. None of that shit works. I read up on this stuff. Read some of the reviews of some of these things. These guys are saying it made their heart race. They were dizzy. They were sweating. Imagine you're trying to get busy with your wife or your girlfriend. You feel like you're about to die. On top of that, you still have whiskey dick. I said it before, man. Viagra's popular and expensive for a reason. Because it works. It's foolproof. And I don't know what the side effects of that stuff is. Sure as hell isn't diarrhea and depression. Speaking of that, here's some news I could have used three years ago. Magic mushrooms, famous for their association with psychedelic counterculture, may also offer some serious mental health benefits, even if you're not a hippie. That's what's written there. But look, this is serious. A new study finds a lab-made version of the chemical found in magic mushrooms can help treat depression. So some of my friends um, have had a lot of success um, like talking about things like this, and, and I've been fascinated by it and skeptical, so make me not a skeptic. Well, look, there's, there's this psychedelic renaissance that is happening. I mean, you know, there was a time in this country where psychedelics were prescribed to treat all sorts of things. It's gone through decades of stigmatization. So LSD and now, was originally. LSD yeah. to treat addiction, yeah. things like that. And now you're starting to see a drumbeat of studies that are starting to crescendo. This is the latest one, the largest one as well. It's a synthetic, as you mentioned. So it's they're, they're actually manufacturing this in a lab. And they're using it to treat people with what is known as treatment-resistant depression, which I think is really important. These are people who failed mm. existing therapies. So you know, the hardest to treat people of all, trying to see if they could find some benefit for them. They tried taking conventional medications, didn't work. Now they tried the highest dose, 25 milligrams, uh, in this particular study. And what they found was that they were getting benefit uh, of, of uh, decreasing depression scores, yes, 
about 37% of people had lower depression scores, and it seemed to last a while. That's the other thing. Typically, when you think about antidepressants, taking them every day. This was oftentimes a single dose mm. that then lasted for weeks. So you see the results of the study there. Um, you, you know, what is interesting is that previous studies have shown even a greater benefit overall. So this wasn't quite as dramatic as they've seen in the past. But there's, there's a lot of enthusiasm here. Largest study of its kind, 22 countries around the world. Now, this I totally believe. One of the newer treatments for people with deep depression who were looking for like a last resort as it comes to drugs was ketamine. Basically, it's horse tranquilizer. You have to go to the hospital for treatment, put you on an IV, and they have a doctor monitor you because it could possibly kill you, lowers your blood pressure and your heart rate to the point where you could, you know, maybe die. But it worked. I mean, people felt better after taking it. It was really expensive. It's like six grand. A lot of insurance companies weren't going to pay for it. Turns you into a zombie for a while, which is to be expected. But it helped people who took it. So this new story here comes as no surprise to me. The thing is, how the hell are we going to get insurance companies to pay for this too? Because he's right. Hallucinogenic drugs were what was prescribed to people back in the day. The last resort back then was like a lobotomy. You get one of those, you're basically checked out. That's no way to live. But I said on the last show how I, I don't like people taking recreational drugs, especially when they're really dangerous. But if you can use them, for something this important, I'm all here for it. I'd like to see depression go away, just as much as I'd like to see cancer pack its bags. I'm glad they said synthetic, though. <laughs> the real magic mushrooms are usually found on the bottom of piles of cow shit. Imagine you're so fucking desperate to get high that you're walking around a cow field, turning over piles of dried cow poop and sticking the shit that's growing under them in your mouth. There is a great documentary on Netflix right now, directed by Jonah Hill. It's called Stutz, and it's him interviewing his therapist, Phil Stutz, basically getting into the tools that he uses in therapy to help people with whatever issues that they're having. And this guy's apparently one of the nation's leading psychiatrists. I'm 100% all in on therapy. You know that. I think everybody should be doing it. Because there was so much that he said and did in this documentary that reminded me of my own therapist, some of the tools that he used, the exercises, his approach to just kind of guiding people to fix themselves. And a lot of what he said, my own therapist told me. He said how important it is for people to journal, even if they don't think they're, they're really a writer. You know, journal, because you start opening things up about yourself that you may not have known before. Because I was journaling even before I started my therapy. In fact, it was the journal that led me to it and then provided all the material for our sessions, which were productive because of the journal, I believe. He believed that too. And Stutz curses a lot and allows Jonah to speak freely. My very first therapist did not allow cursing in his sessions, I think because he was taping the sessions. But mine definitely wants me to speak freely. And he talks freely too. And I don't find it unprofessional. In fact, I find it the opposite. I think he wants our relationship to be on level ground. Not him, the doctor up here, and me down here, I'm the patient. You know, we're speaking freely, and I've been able to open up to him more than anybody else. And then Stutz does this thing that my therapist does. He closes his eyes when he's about to make a point. My therapist does this, and I thought it was weird when I first saw him do it. But the nugget of brilliance that came out of his mouth made it far less weird. But these guys are going deep into their own thoughts for just the right thing to say. And Stutz talks of this pyramid. It's the three essentials that you need to get through life. Your body, people, and yourself. He said 85% of getting to good mental health is diet, exercise, and sleep. Next is people. You need people like you need handles to climb a wall or to help you get to the next place which is then to find yourself. And once you find yourself, you're in the end zone. You're spiking the ball on life. And that's the path. I used to always say that the road was my therapist, whether it was on foot or on my bike. And I was doing a lot of thinking out there. But all the thinking in the world wasn't enough. And I didn't realize this. 
I needed to talk to someone about these things, some of the stuff that I was thinking, because a lot of it was not healthy. I'll admit to you now. I mean, there were times when I would push myself too hard. My heart rate would go through the roof, and I probably should have stopped and caught my breath. But instead, I just kept pushing myself. I refused to stop. I was trying to punish myself for not having been able to save Katrina. And I would make sure I was close to the bushes, just in case I did have a heart attack. I would collapse and die into the bushes. My body wasn't in the road. That's how dark it was for me back then. But in the end, the positive thing to come out of that was that I taught myself a valuable lesson about endurance sports and becoming a great endurance athlete. Your head's going to tell you to stop way before your body knows you're going to be all right. So you have to tell your head to shut the fuck up. I mean, that's just part of therapy too. Negative thoughts are always going to come. You have to push them out, put something positive there, like running your fastest 5K instead of thinking your heart's going to explode. But Jonah says something interesting. He said that usually you go to a therapist and you talk and he or she will listen. Then you go to your friends and you tell them the same stuff and they're giving you all this advice. When in reality, you want the opposite. You want the therapist to give you advice. You want your friends to shut up and listen. But a good therapist won't necessarily give you just straight advice. They're going to give you an exercise so that you can make a decision that's right for you. And you get to know yourself well enough You won't allow yourself to get to that place again. And that's why therapy takes so long. It's a process. You can't be fixed in a week or a month. You have to be consistent and work on yourself all the time. Because you're worth it. I stopped putting a dollar figure on how much I was spending. Because my Fukakta insurance company sucks dick. I just focused on how much better I felt because of these sessions. It was worth it. I just remember my therapist telling me, Stop trying to make everything in your life so perfect. I was setting unreasonable goals for my life. He told me to go a full month without washing my car. So I would get over worrying about what people were saying about me. Turns out people didn't give a shit if my car was dirty. He told me to leave the house to get groceries one day without doing my hair. Don't even look in the mirror, he said. Don't comb it. Don't put gel in it. Don't even touch it. Go to the store with bedhead. Turns out no one said anything. They didn't look at me funny. Perfection was this mirage. And it wasn't worth chasing anymore. It was a waste of time. You said you're wasting a lot of your time and energy on things that simply do not matter. So I stopped worrying about what other people might think or say. I could care less as long as I was happy. And I'm still doing that. In the group, you know, <laughs> my group ride, I wear sneakers. I don't give a rat's furry ass. Stuts on Netflix. Check it out. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, I think. Oh, my sister-in-law sends me this article from the Seattle Times where the Pope was warning priests and nuns to delete pornography from their phones. I said, this is the perfect story for this show. Boy, do you know me. Pope Francis has warned priests and nuns about the dangers of watching pornography online, saying it weakens the priestly heart. The Pope, 86, was responding to a question about how digital and social media should be best used at a session in the Vatican. Pornography, he said, was advice that so many people have, even priests and nuns. The devil enters from there, the Pope told priests and seminarians. Hey, dude, the devil may enter from there. What comes out is anyone's guess. Let me fill you in on something here, Father. Now, I have great respect for the Pope, by the way, okay? No disrespect. Pornography is the gateway to self-love. Some people can do it without it. Others need it to facilitate the end result. I know women are different, but you take porn away from dudes, there's going to be an uptick in tennis elbow, carpal tunnel syndrome. There'll be a bunch of raw dicks out there. (laughs) Stop fooling yourself. Nuns and priests are human beings first and foremost, and human beings have sexual needs that have to be fulfilled, or there's going to be more children forced into therapy, because you know what happened last time. Just drop the guard, all right? Let these people have sex like everybody else. Why would you force these people into abstinence? It's like telling someone they can't drink water anymore. I don't mean to sound sacrilegious or disrespectful, but I'd have to think these nuns are tempted to do it. And if they're only around other nuns, they'll do it with them. It's a basic human need. Touch, feel, love. It's not a sin. It's a basic human need. Someone should run the numbers. How many of these nut jobs who do these school shootings are virgins. 
I'll bet the percentage is high. You take away sex, even masturbation, people are going to be so pent up, their heads are going to explode. Some people can be fucked up, though. There's a porn out there with nuns and priests in it because I guess people really want to get that dirty. That I don't understand. I think it's taking it a bit too far. But whatever floats your boat. I've seen a lot of nuns. None of them look like Stormy Daniels. You jerk off to porn like that. If there indeed is a hell, you're getting a VIP box seat in the front row when you die. Also, save me a seat. (laughs) I'm going to. It's like one of the letters I read sometime back was from this girl who was upset that her boyfriend was wanking to naked pictures that he kept of his ex that were still on his phone. And she felt like that was cheating. She said she'd sent him naked pictures of herself so he could use those. But now she feels like she can't trust him. As a golden rule, I don't think you should ever send naked pictures of yourself to anybody. And if you do do that, make sure your face isn't in it. I understand why people do this. In a relationship, it's a turn on can make things hot. But if you look at the crap floating around on Pornhub, a lot of it gets posted post-breakup. Eventually it gets taken down. Someone finds their ex posted it without their permission. But you'll see that stuff online. Even when they don't show their face, but they're saying their boyfriend's name. Like she made that special video just for him. Even though you can't see her face, it's still an invasion of privacy. That's what women are concerned about. I think they had a word for this once. Revenge porn. Yeah, it's actually against the law in a lot of states. But people do some strange shit with their free time. Alright, I got one last thing. This show's getting long. I don't talk about really personal stuff on the show. Because some parts of my life I just want to keep private. But I do want to share this because I'm constantly getting the same question. Are you seeing anybody? Two and a half years I'm single, right? I'm honestly enjoying just being me. But my friends will not stop. So here's an example. A couple months ago, some friends invited me to go to a local concert. I don't do that shit for the most part. I'm not into seeing shitty bands. I don't like to dance. There was something I was into when I was in my 20s, but at this stage of my life, no. Anyway, I go. We have fun. After the concert's over, people are walking around. And this gal passes us with her friend. And she and I exchange glances. Nothing big. But we locked eyes briefly. Smiled. She makes three more passes in front of us. And every time she did, we glanced at each other. Same thing. Now, the last time she did it, I kept my eyes on her. See if she was going to look back. Sure enough, she did. So, I'm like, okay, now what? I wasn't really prepared to introduce myself. In reality, I'm a shy person when it comes to approaching strange women that I don't know. Unless I'm introduced to them, or we're in a part of a group... I just don't walk up and start talking to somebody. I think it's creepy. Anyway, she ends up back at our spot because she knew some of the people that were sitting behind us. So now she's standing there with her back to me, and I'm not saying anything. So we start packing up our shit. We get ready to leave. She turns around, leaves right at the same time. Now it's obvious she's putting herself out there for me to introduce myself. But I didn't do it. So we left, go back to my friend's place. We're going to have a few beers and we're going to spend the night there. Now, my friend's wife is all over me about this, like a homeless dude on a ham sandwich. She's asking me, why didn't I jump at this opportunity? I said, it didn't feel right. That's not how it works with me. Yeah, she was attractive. She was tall in my age bracket. Everything was okay. I just wasn't in that mood. I don't have the energy for that. I don't know how to do that without sounding creepy. So at this point now, my friend's wife is looking to find someone for me to meet. And I told everybody, don't set me up. But she's a bulldog. She's going to find me somebody. She knows it. So fast forward a few weeks later, we're at a birthday party for a mutual friend. Turns out there was a single woman that my friend's wife knew was coming over. My friend tells me in advance, this girl wants to meet you. Just prepare. I'm rolling my eyes. So she shows up, sits at our table. She's nice. I'm not interested. I know I sound like an asshole. When it's right, uh, believe me, I'll know it. I make no advances. I, make, I ask no personal questions that might lead to a deeper conversation. She's nice, having a fun night. I'm not drinking. I want to get home. Maybe catch some sports highlights, go to bed. I've got a ride in the morning. So I leave. So a few weeks after that, we get together. My friend's birthday is over the weekend. 
And there are some new guys there going to have this golf tournament. One is this guy, very nice dude. Turns out he's dating this woman that I met at the party. So I thought, great, no more pressure from my friend's wife, <laughs> right? Thing is, after golf's over, we end up back at his place. The wives and the girlfriends are invited, including her. Now, I'm happy for him, happy for her. She shows up. I'm like, hey, how you doing? Oh, yeah, from the party, blah, blah. So all the wives get there. He gets up from watching football to give her a kiss. And she barks something at him, like, don't touch my hair. I just did it. She turns her cheek away from him. And I thought, oh, my God, that's kind of rude. So then later, he tries again. He puts his arm around her. She pulls his arm away and then goes outside to sit with a bunch of other people. Now, listen, I spent the morning with this guy. Seemed very approachable, very friendly. Laughed at our crude humor. I don't understand this. They haven't been dating that long for there to be that much animosity, but who knows? Maybe he was a creep. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he says mean shit. I'm not sure. He said he was married three times, if that says anything. <laughs> he says to me, I'm a hopeless romantic. I'm thinking, what? No, you're not. You're a dope. <laughs> Jesus. But I just saw what a cold bitch she was. And I thought, you know, my ability to assess whether or not someone's right for me, that radar is like 100% spot on. There was less for me to gain than there is for me to lose at this point. And I told him, an angel has to fall from the sky or I have to make some random encounter with someone I connect with on an intellectual and emotional level. The Cupid has to shoot an arrow right into my ass if I'm going to see myself with anybody new. And as I told him before, nothing happens. Cool. Just stop trying to set me up. I love you. But respect my process. <laughs> this guy told me he was having horrible luck meeting women. He said, dude, pussy could literally be falling from the sky. But if one hits me in the head, it's more than likely already going to have a dick in it. <laughs> okay, enough of this nonsense. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, my name is Phil, and this has been Inane. Cheers. Thank you.